0: All right. Welcome, everybody. We have Antone Wilson today. Antone's got this crazy underdog mentality that I just love. He uh, He's an educated guy. He's got his master's in business management, his uh, bachelor's in health education, and is a certified sports and conditioning specialist. He uh, has three ACL surgeries. So he's been through the trials. He's a big fasting guy, really in tune with health and training, and he takes us a little bit down a history journey. So There was a little bit of a problem with the recording in the first four minutes, and only with the last seven minutes or so of the audio, there's going to be a little bit of a buzzing sound, so it absolutely kills me, but it does stop, it gets very clear. I apologize for the technical difficulties, I'm learning, trying to get better with all this stuff, but it goes away, I promise. All right, that's all I got, let's get to it! Here we go. We got the third ever AOG podcast with the guest, my man Anto Wilson. How we doing, bud? Doing great, man. Honor to be here with you, man. It's great being back here on the east
1: coast of Florida. Just moved out to the Tampa area, you know. Ooh. Obviously, great, you know, connecting with you, man. I'm happy to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm really happy this worked out. Kind of by chance, you back in uh, back in the area. You know, I've been talking about this for a long time. Uh, before we get started, I just want to say thanks again for coming on, man. I uh, I really appreciate you. Appreciate your energy. Every time I get to see you, I get inspired. So, just want to say I'm really grateful to have you around and grateful to have you here today. Likewise, man. I- I appreciate that and you know I love your energy and passion
1: as well you know I think when you have this energy you know you live with such purpose it's just so important to be around like-minded people you know from you know you know the genesis of our relationship you know playing NCAA online you know is we immediately established the fact, you know, we had a lot of similar core values and it's cool kind of having watched our friendship evolve from, you know, a video game. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: <laughs> yes. And for those of you who don't know, Anton and I met through a buddy, Jarrett Williams, and uh, we just started playing NCAA football together online through a dynasty. He had like five people in it and then kind of grew ever since. This guy, he's got a football mind like no other, but we'll get into all that. Let's start with uh, just your favorite book of all time. So I'm going to name a couple
1: books that I really like and then I'm going to give you my favorite and why okay. okay uh first one the autobiography of malcolm x i think that's a very important book just because it displays you know how, a, how it displays how a man reinvented himself you know was essentially a thug in the street that had you know no education really no guidance mm-hmm. um went to jail and became perhaps one of you know the most powerful leaders of all time and so as that book is a staple for me. All but right. outside of that, um, next one, The Alchemist, which is I feel like an all time classic for most people. Absolutely. Uh, Toughness by Jay Billis, great book, especially you know dealing with adversity. Uh, Wins, losses, and lessons by Lou Holtz, and Lou Holtz was like kind of one of those first coaches to dive into media. You know, he was you know on you know the Tonight Show. He was he loved you know being on TV and speaking about leadership. But I would say my favorite book of all time is definitely The 48 Laws of Power. And I say that off the simple fact that I find myself constantly referencing that book. I've read it like two or three times now. So, like if I'm on a plane or something or I go through a particular you know moment in my life, like I'll revert back to one of those laws and be like, you know what, I need to check this out again. Or how can I handle this situation differently? Understanding these
0: optics Right. So out of those laws, is there any ones that are
1: favorite for you? Yeah, and I think I think it's the last one, it's law forty-eight, and I might be a little wrong in how I word it, but I believe it's assume formlessness. And okay. so part of, you know, the people that I work with, what I do, you know, I'm always adapting to crowds, you know, different social groups, you know, people of different races, genders, et cetera, et cetera. And so being able to swiftly flow like water, you know, wherever I am, I think that that's critical. It just kind of just being able to adapt to be a chameleon Mm -hmm. um and i also take that in the you know the football world and like my philosophy um i don't have an identity so to speak i'm not committed to you know a four three three four four two five you know being able to adjust you know on a week-to-week basis understanding that you know it's not like there's not you know one absolute answer right i think that that's so critical and i think that really boils down to just balance I yeah. think balance is always the answer. So yeah, that's that's my favorite lot 48 Lots of Power. I think a lot of you know iconic figures. I think that's kind of like that one book. That's like that staple for them as well. Which is kind of what got me to read the book in the first place. 48 Lots of Power, huh? Yeah, by Robert Greene. Robert also wrote another great book called finding mastery, which I would definitely suggest as
0: well. Communication is key. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Um, but let's, let's dive into you. Your life's similar to mine in the fact of sports. I mean, a lot of injuries kind of played, didn't pan out, uh, had a lot of aspirations as an athlete. Um, boy, he went through three ACL surgeries. So <laughs> I'm not even going to try to claim that that's insane. But, uh, what was the shift like? I mean, having your sole focus on being an NFL player now to having to switch lanes. How was that experience?
1: Yeah, to start, I would say at the age of about five or six, I established that I was going to commit my life to being an NFL football player. I was going to do everything in my power to, you know, just be the best football player I could be. Mm -hmm. And so every decision that I made, I went to a lot of camps growing up, you know, I was a kid, like I didn't really chase girls. I didn't really party, you know, I, its like high school it, it, it just drove every facet of my life and so setting a goal at a really young age putting you know your whole heart and soul and failing you know it essentially just like well okay this is what i want to do clearly you know i can't do it anymore if this is what the bottom feels like what won't i be able to do you mm-hmm. know and so it allowed me to kind of test boundaries and really understand the depths of my soul in regards to like what the true power of human potential is you know i, I didn't achieve it but my failures on the way of kind of committing to that process. And I preach the process so much uh, allowed me to create a blueprint for, you know, not only just, you know, football players or athletes, but anyone who is, you know, uh, aspiring, you know, achievement on a high level, you know, just mm-hmm. understanding the roadblocks, understanding how to commit, you know, sleep, what I have to do on a day-to-day, how to, you know, block out the noise, constant repetition. So
0: I would say that's how, you know, athletics guided, you know, me down that next path in my life. And what point in your journey was it that you knew that, you know, maybe it wasn't NFL and I'm going to kind of focus into an it up in the lane? It's funny, man, because, you know, I went to a junior college and first of
1: all, I was a terrible student in high school. I love telling this story because been in school for a while now and you know i've, I've achieved a lot of academics since i was a very bad student in high school yeah. and um, went to a junior college and i didn't really play that much in junior college you know some guys in front of me that they, they got on nfl rosters at some point we had a very very talented team what college was that uh, this was at dean college uh, okay shout out to all my alum they, there. Yeah. we had a phenomenal team just a lot of great people there great times um so i met jared you know our mutual friend yeah um I still believed in myself. I still thought after having not played there that I could still do it. I'm not saying I thought I could be a star, but I legitimately thought that, you know, I could maybe land a tryout regardless of if I go to a small school, I think I can warrant enough attention that I think I can get into camp. Uh, But after I tore my ACL the first time, I was just like, you know, I probably, I'm really small for one, and I was unsure if I was going to ever be the same. Um, and so I would say that right at that point was kind of where I was just like, you know, I think I could play football like overseas or something. But that was kind of where I segued and said, okay, I need to kind of figure out what my ne- my future endeavors are going to be. So it was after the first ACL. Irony in all of this is that I actually was substantially more athletic after the second ACL. Really? <laughs> which is so funny about you know the whole thing. But at that point, I had already kind of let it register that you know i was indifferent if football was gonna be the thing for me and i knew i wanted to coach after so i was really just appreciating the process and just playing because i love to play
0: yeah your identity had already changed yeah it had
1: already you know changed but it was very difficult you know identifying myself as a football player my whole life to now no longer having it absolutely how are you more athletic like what Why do you say that? Uh, It's funny. I tore my ACL right around the time Derek Rose tore his ACL. And I was watching his rehab videos and, you know, just being a guy that was in a sports performance. I had a trainer when I was 15. I had, you know, I had a guy that I've seen three, four times a week. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I knew all about, you know, acceleration, deceleration, biomechanics, you know, how the body kind of worked as a whole the nervous system and I asked a ton of questions in physical therapy and so I would always be like okay well I'm at about four weeks now I think I could be doing this and they would be like how does this kid know because like, I was just doing so much research that's awesome so, knowledge to have when you're young wow for sure in, in the nutritional component and I remember that summer I was like I'm not leaving I'm not doing anything I'm not going out, I'm not having no friends, Like I'm just going to dedicate to this process and so I think it's just kind of com- commitment to that but I will say this, in rehab you start thinking about little intricate muscles that you wouldn't think of before. So you know, the therapist will always kind of weigh out your range of motion. They always see like, okay, do I have this much range of motion here, how much strength am I getting in my right leg versus my left leg? So they immediately identify all your asymmetries and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So once you know, these are things that a functional athlete is getting measured. So once it's established these are my weaknesses are, you're, you're attacking them way more. So I just had very right. few flaws. now interesting because although you physically, I was physically better, you know, you still got to get the repetition. So that's what, you know, is difficult returning from injury is that, you know, you just haven't played the sport in a year. But in regards to like my vertical jump, my 40, my ability to jump off a single leg, all those things improved immensely. Wow, that's an awesome story. I mean, you must be feeling pretty good for sure. That's why I'm a trainer now. You know, that's how I got into this lane, and you know, kind of pursuing you know strength and conditioning
0: because I had all this prior experience. So I might as well make a career out of it. <laughs> Absolutely. Then you have you went back. You're still playing football, and you kind of switch your identity, you going to school over at Concordia now. Right? Yes. So it was funny though, man, because I actually I tore my ACL the second
1: time um, in my my senior season. And um, I still had two, two years of eligibility following that. Oh, okay. Because I was a redshirt sophomore, and that was gonna be my redshirt junior year, but I tore my ACL, my redshirt junior year, which was my academic senior year. Does that yep. make sense? So after I tore that ACL the second time, I still had two years, but I moved up to Florida and that's where I reinvented myself was when I started reading these books and i was I was actually working at a gym called D One Sports Training, and I had access to elite physical therapists and elite trainers, and there was a bunch of NFL players there. And so I was kind of seeing it every day, but I was just I was a trainer and I was just rehabbing. And then I just started casually working out with some of the guys. and then next thing I know, I was just, kind of dove into the uh, the combine prep program, which was where guy, NFL hopefuls were training. And yeah. then there were some NFL guys that were there, just hopped in. Never looked back. And I was like, you know what? Let me, let me give football another go. And so it just kind of organically happened. I was just training casually and then it just ramped up, ramped up, ramped up. And then I was like, you know what? I want to go back to school. Let's, let's go, let's give this a go. And Concordia came about.
0: No way. And then that's where you did your masters, right? Well, that's where I did my masters. And I actually went there with no
1: intentions of finishing, to be honest with you. The coach reached out to me after he just took a new job. So God's Concordia, and I just blew my
0: knee out the third day there. No, you didn't. Right in camp? Right in camp, third day. And so
1: (laughs) right after that, you know, I'm already there, and my girlfriend at the time was going to school there. She hadn't moved in yet. (laughs) And so I'm like, well, I have to stay here now. And, you know, I was getting a master's degree for an affordable price. And, and it was a new experience. So I was just like, let me get the most out of this process as possible. So that's how that kind of manifested itself. But yeah, no, I just wanted to play football. I was going to do,
0: you know, one semester and then probably be out. Did the coaches call you up and be like, hey, you're going to start and stuff? Or like, how do you know you're going to play? How did all that work? <laughs> yeah, man. It was funny because uh, Jared,
1: again, you know, our common
0: friend, Jared. What's up, Jared? What's up, Jay Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, We were just talking, he
1: was living in Cali at the time, and he was like, thinking about playing football again. And he was like, nah, nah, I'm not gonna play. But he's like, are you gonna play? And like, cause we were both kind of pondering it at the same time. We both had eligibility. And so, he's like, yeah, I have a friend of mine, he's a quarterback, and he just transferred to Concordia. And um, you know, his dad was like, friends with the coaches and whatnot. And he, I guess he just had an influence in the program. So his dad, I talked to the, the kid's dad, and you know, he liked what I had to offer. So he, he sold it to the coach. The coach, I made a training highlight tape with my JUCO, my college highlight tape. And the coach had been the head coach there in the past, so he was familiar with the program. And he understood that at the D2 level, if you want to, you know, be good right away, you got to get transfers, to, you know, JUCO guys, grad transfers, etc. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of fit the mold of what he was looking for. And so, you know, he made no guarantees to me, but he liked what I said. He's like, you can come here and compete. And so, obviously, I got the playbook over the summer. Studied it religiously and I knew all five skill spots. And so I actually went there and there was a new coaching staff and I knew the playbook better than the coaches. (laughs) So I was able to go inside receiver, outside receiver and running back. So, you know, day one install, I'm playing all three spots. And then um, we run the conditioning test and I was in phenomenal shape and I just won every sprint by a lot. We ran, I believe, 21 10s. And so right after that The coaches came up to me He's like I need you to lead these guys And I was the oldest guy On the roster Yeah And so Here we are Second day And everything's going Accordingly And uh, Yeah I just blew my knee out man And that's all she wrote And it's funny because After I blew my knee out I made a cut I was running a route (laughs) And I just felt Like it just Yeah man I just rolled my helmet and the train was like coming over I knew exactly what it was and I just took my helmet off I chuckled and I was like it's all she wrote and I was just relieved that I gave it a try you know I just wanted to. I love football I was like if I never played again knowing that I had the eligibility it's going to haunt me the rest of my life and the fact that I just tried it was kind of like a sign of relief like I'd already established my identity beyond mm-hmm. a football player and now it was
0: okay next thing and that's an awesome mindset to have there because I think anyone as an athlete uh, or taking athletics seriously can understand how much work it does to do all that training and studying the playbook and all the effort you put in to get your mind body and spirit ready to play that season and then to have it the third day <laughs> just shut down how devastating that can be so to handle that with such grace and um, fortitude and just the knowledge of I gave it my best I think that's really impressive <laughs> and that's tough that it happened but, but what what do you think all those setbacks, you know, have taught you over your life, all the ACL tears and all the, you know, changes and where you've been? Show me who I was, man.
1: It, it, you know, I think that was the most important thing, like, I, I, like the true depth of my soul, like really looking within and kind of figuring out, you know, my purpose and, you know, understanding that regardless, you know, where it may be dark, that, you know, there's always light on the other side of the tunnel and having gone through that process and understand that I can be anything I want to be actually. And if I didn't have gone if I hadn't gone through that, I don't, I don't know like where I would be. And so I'm now at a point where I understand that comfort can kill you because if you're not growing, Absolutely. you're dying. And so I try to make myself as uncomfortable as possible, as frequently as possible. And not only for myself and my own personal growth, but I told myself, if I can put myself through every emotion and just all sorts of adversity, it's not about me, but there's never going to be a person who I come across that I won't be able to relate to or help. So you don't have to deal with all the pain. I'll deal with the pain. I've dealt with the pain, but you know I'll let my pain be a reference point or a blueprint to help you
0: get through that next step because I know where you're coming from. Absolutely. And if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. hundred oh. percent, man. You got to keep growing. Um, so I can through all those struggles and setbacks. You also were able to get your masters. I mean, yes, sir. man, you are educated. Young at twenty seven, you got MBA. You got your uh, BA. Hey, what's the MBA marketing? Right. My MBA is uh, focused on management. With a ma- focus on and management.
1: My undergraduate be- is in uh, health education. Okay. Uh, close to going down the educator route, being a teacher. I have taught a little bit. And uh, my uh, my associate's my associate's degree in sports management. Right. And so you know, I did learn a little bit more about like business as related to sport right um and so I'm also an EMT as well
0: okay um and I'm also a certified, certified conditioning specialist CSCS, so. CSCS right yep. CSCS yes correct uh, what what motivates you to keep learning and you know educating yourself uh, a couple of things well first of all man it's funny because people you know
1: bring up like you know your academic accolades I don't they don't really mean that much to me in regards to like you know collecting degrees per se mm-hmm. um and I never I I didn't get a masters in business to go get a job. I think most people will okay i get a promotion. I can make more money right. or you know, I can get the job. I don't have a dream job. I went there to learn, you know, about financial literacy, I learned how to understand how to manage and lead people better. And I learned how to the operations of what what makes companies tick and also marketing. I wanted to learn those skills. And so I think, you know, it's one thing, you know, education, it's, you know, applying it, uh, applying that knowledge into, you know, a respective field. And so for me, what I chase is, you know, legacy. I just want to use the education and apply it to, you know, be the best I could be at my craft and, you know, impact people. And I feel like, you know, you can never stop learning and you never know enough. And the more I know, the more things I can do, the more people I can come across. And I believe education is the most important thing.
0: I really do, I think. So do I. And, it's, it's, I it's Always critical. keep growing and that personal Absolutely. growth. And you can get that from everywhere, from books and from education. How much do you feel that you learned in that management the master's program in business, comparative to just life experience and from your own personal reading? Ooh, that's a great question. Definitely taught me
1: a lot, but more so a testament to my professors and their experiences. Like the actual like, book work, you know, case studies, uh, writing papers, like, yeah, it, it helps, but you know, it's more so, because anybody can get the degree, anybody can pass the test, I'll tell you that much. Right. Um, it's more so kind of when you what you put into it, you know, and are you studying things that you want to learn about? And so, you know, I studied economics. I studied, you know, the fitness industry, you know, gyms, you know, how kind of how they're run, how they're operated. I understood the market, and I studied, you know, the landscape of the NFL. I studied those things, especially if they pertain to what my interests were. And so just a lot of information that I was never, you know, previously exposed to. It was cool kind of diving into that subject matter, you know, in a classroom setting, and then right. having, you know, uh, professionals analyze it and kind of tell me where I stood with it. Now, with book work, um, not much limitations, you know, with book work, you know, there's no depth to it, but again, everything that you, you read in a book, someone else wrote, and so there is a little bit of like, you know, a ceiling on a book. You can only extract it. I can read books, read books, read books, like, where's the application component? Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that reading and writing very much correspond with one another, and so it's like, one thing reading, now let's put it to work. And so that's where I feel like they differ. Mm-hmm. Um, both important aspects but I think that it just
0: depends on what you're trying to uh, extract from knowledge from right. you know and, and how from can education. you actually absorb it like what form exactly of, yeah what form of teaching do you actually absorb well and can you apply it writing so totally agree with that um, what's the passion now because I know you're doing coaching for a mm-hmm. few years and you've got your training you're in all these outlets your creative mind and I love it Where, uh, where's the passion going forward uh, well the passion first and foremost is
1: football okay Football's my craft, okay. I believe everybody has a craft, everybody has their thing. But I, I figure that's my craft and so doesn't necessarily have to be coached because you know, I have plenty of people that I mentor, I manage, I help, um, you know, that figure in their life and so I'm always wearing that coaching hat. Mm-hmm. But the the passion in football is more so the chess match, the strategy, under the tactics, yes. you know? You come out in, in 21 personnel, you know, is my tight end going to be, you know, over the linebacker, is he going to be, you know, head up on him? What are we, how are we going to respond to that? I know, are we at one high safety, two high safeties? I
0: study film every single day. And so that'll never stop. Now, how I apply that, right? That's... You might, first of all, you might be the most intelligent football mind I've ever met at 27 it's pretty crazy what you know and how much you study for those who don't know I mean this guy will draw on a napkin at 10 o'clock at the bar and he will teach you how to break down the Ravens offense right now it is pretty freaking awesome but appreciate that, man. Um,
1: yeah this is just what I love man and so people are like oh well, why aren't you coaching how is a guy this passionate not coaching football okay and I essentially you know just from all the years of rehab and you know I've coached I've had seven years of coaching experience coached division two II, division three level and I coached in high schools in Massachusetts Minnesota and Florida uh, most notably St. Thomas Aquinas which is a pretty known school and so I just kind of burnt out from that and I had other interests and I wanted to really you know monetize my skills and you know just be more entrepreneurial that was very important to me and so taking my craft and, you know, applying it, you know, whether I am training an athlete, okay, whether I am working with other coaches, and what I'm really about to start doing is creating content. So, film study, like I'm John Gruden in the booth, and then writing about it, and talking about these trends in the game, you know, like whether it be, you know, the Lamar Jackson offense, which is really kind of just the single wing with, you know, a bunch of bigs out there. Um, Just, you know, studying trends, man. Studying trends, and then talk about how they kind of trickle up from um the nfl down or from the youth levels on up because you know a couple years back um they were saying you know all these spread option running quarterbacks and the nfl refused to adapt well we blank you know what i mean and now half the quarterbacks in the nfl are runners and so you look at a guy like daniel jones and you know he actually moves around pretty well but you look at like a josh rosen who was kind of one of those last traditional drop back passes and he was you know Obviously limited because you know, you just can't move around, and that's Absolutely. where the league is gone. So, kind of foreseeing these trends before they happen, and the next trend, which I saw about two, three years ago, is positionless football, to where all five skilled guys can all be ball carriers and catch the ball, where you can line up in a million formations because you know that these guys can do different things. So you never know where the ball is going. There's always misdirection, and all these guys present a run or a pass threat. Wow, that's what I foresee as the next trend. I don't want to share that. I want to write and talk about it. And then I'm a defensive guy, and I declare myself as a defensive guy, and so as I see this positionless football on the offensive side, well, how am I gonna combat that trend on the defensive side of the ball? And from a personnel standpoint, well, the Ravens are coming out with bigs. Do I want my linebackers? Do I want to still go with traditional big linebackers, or do I want more safety guys in those spots or, that can fly around, yeah. You know, so things like that, man. So just taking my craft and applying
0: it, but football okay. is forever my passion, and so just trying to utilize it as many ways as possible now do you see yourself still training athletes and uh, on that personal level right now or is it more towards the content? oh no 100 i mean i've been with the team every year
1: this is the first time in my life where i'm not working with team in any capacity i was a ball boy for my dad's new pro team when i was five years old from that to youth football to camps over the summer mm-hmm. to high school to college to coaching yep. this is the first time in my life i'm not with a team, So I was actually running a company. Um, I was a fitness director, just stepped away from that. So now I'm my own entity. And so like, now I'm ready, you know yep. I mean? I'm, I'm building my business, but very much in the short term future here, I, I already have athletes I have a lot of relationships with, but now it's just going all in on that mm-hmm. and really developing guys, helping them whether it be from high school to college, college to the pros or pro guys, mm-hmm. fitting in the
0: scheme and, you know, mastering, you know, their fundamentals. Let's just talk fitness for a little bit, just okay. exercise. Um, if you were to just talk to an average person, you see them, I mean, they're just starting. Mm-hmm. If you could just give someone a couple tips to just ch- change their exercise routine and really just kind of get them started, change their life, what would you say? Whether it's working out or whatever.
1: First, you gotta have a goal, you gotta know what you're trying to do. Okay. Um, and you have to commit to the fact that you're going to do it. And so having the resources, whether that's getting a gym membership or you know paying for a trainer, so you have to make those decisions. You have to make that investment. Now, I think it's the greatest investment you could ever make because yeah. you're obviously you know investing in yourself. And you also have to understand why you're doing it. And that has to be rooted in the right thing. And so I it has to be beyond like oh i want to be in shape so i can get a girlfriend because if you get the girlfriend now what are you just going to stop being in shape i mean you have to understand that if you want to get in shape these are these are philosophies that you should adopt for the rest of your life because mm-hmm. it's just going to make you better and then i would say that like most importantly you don't want to hurt yourself okay like, i'm not going to come into you know just lifting a whole bunch of weight you know and i also have to condition myself so you got to figure out based on your goal what's my exercise tolerance what's a lot of weight what can i do what can I do? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's, you know, probably getting a trainer or someone to guide you through the early stages of the process. And, you know, just being able to do simple things like, you know, your body weight mm-hmm. or understanding what your limitations are, whether you have, you know, asymmetry, biomechanical deficiencies or, you know, an injury that was never diagnosed. And so once you understand all those things, well, now we can start diving into the nitty gritty of what you're actually going to do from an activity standpoint. Mm-hmm. Firmly in isometrics providing manual resistance mm-hmm. uh part of like the talent code is you know stressing the nervous system and so being able to constantly get the muscles to fire it's kind of the same concept of mastering a task mm-hmm. where if the body and the nervous system is constantly doing something it's recruiting more muscle fibers to do that which is thickening the myelin sheath this is the premise of my company hyperspeed as we begin to thicken that myelin sheath my body is now becoming more accustomed to that task the Greater frequency in which I do that activity and the higher intensity in which I stress the nervous system, the greater ability I'll have to execute that specific task. Now, if I want to improve performance, the frequency in which I get these muscles to fire and apply force now leads to explosion speed. You know, know, at the end of the day, speed is just a manifestation of strength. How can I, you know, apply that force into the ground to propel my body forward? Mm -hmm. So, again, just, you know, having a goal in mind and understanding the proper progressions. The average person at the end of the day, and it's cool because I just worked at a very high level personalized training facility. So I understand this. Everybody needs a trainer. I honestly Mm -hmm. believe that or at least, you know, a, a reference point or guidance when you're very much in the infancy of training and then once you know you get you know a framework then you progress. But, you know, like I would love a trainer. I would just like, Antoine, you're doing this today. That single leg squat sucks. Like, get more depth. Go you know, do it, just yeah. of accountability that accountability. I just can't do. Absolutely. You know, and so I don't care. Like, that's the greatest investment you'll ever make is just kind of having someone provide direction for you. But, you know, the fitness industry is very much saturated and there's no barriers to entry and there's a lot of junk out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think a lot of people very much want to train for the wrong reasons and so I think it leads to a lot of injury and I think it just
0: oh it's bad man a lot of you can get hurt so easily yeah and just like do you think uh, triphasic training like uh, do, you, do you do that with your answers like, triphasic training I might define that as something different can you tell me yeah, what, what just, exactly uh, that is so yeah isometric concentric and eccentric oh, so oh, like okay, yeah. so like rotating those because you might do isometric for a while or yeah. like then you might load it do you like how often do you rotate your uh training like with maybe athletes or just the average person the, okay that's a great the question. timing and stuff that's a great
1: question okay well it all depends on like, what muscle group we're working it also depends on what phase they're at and if they have like injuries so yeah. like you know eccentric would be critical with like a, a high level athlete and doing hamstring work because the eccentric Component is like with a hamstring. It's very hard to simulate eccentric hamstring work, which is a lot of handling the load as your foot strikes the ground, yeah. as you're about to cycle back, bringing your heel to your butt as you sprint. And so, if my body can handle the load of hitting the ground with my hamstring and can handle that, then I'm going to prevent injury of like hamstring strain or hamstring pull. Right. So, like eccentric hamstring work for an athlete is critical. Like ham raises or something. The holy grail of sports performance. Oh, <laughs> the hamster, yeah, the glute ham raise. Phenomenal movement. It's very hard, you know. There's certain angles with the body, the way it's manipulated, so it kind of hits certain things. You know, like very hard to adduct. Having the leg in extension and kind of adduct. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where, that's, that's a place which I want to provide isometrics. I want to, you know, maybe have the athlete laying on their back. Maybe put them in a glute bridge, a single leg glute bridge, while they're elevated, and I'm getting, you know, kind of an iso- I'm sorry, getting. I'm trying to demonstrate getting an isometric hamstring yeah. component. Now I'm providing manual resistance with the with the leg as it's out, coming back to the midline. You see okay. what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. That's like a lot of my philosophy where I try to, I wouldn't say it's innovative. I definitely didn't invent that, but like adding different elements of working two different muscle groups simultaneously, now I'm tricking your mind and I'm also providing manual resistance to the point where there's no weight here. You know, and that's my issue with weight training. I'm only going to tap in uh, X amount of brain power that I need to move to require to make, you know, to cause that movement. If it's isometric, well, there's constant firing and we're shocking the nervous system. And you have to stabilize the entire and time. You have to stabilize. So now the core is involved as well. Yeah, and so that's good. That's the kind of stuff. So like that's where eccentric all that stuff we got. Now, I want to make a point now. Um, there's other elements where, you know, concentric training can be critical just like if you could apply constant tension. So if I'm in like a push, right? And it's just concentric, but the concentric, like they call these isokinetic machines. And I'm constantly applying concentric thing because now it's increasing the the speed of contraction. The speed of contraction is really kind of the foundation of applying force is the speed. I'm rapidly,
0: you know what I mean? So now my body's used to firing. The rate of frequency
1: is how you build turnover. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. So yeah, man, it's funny because I am not passionate about this. I've just sat in so much rehab and like I wanted to be fast so much so bad when I was younger yeah. that I needed these answers. And it's funny because like I might running running's a skill, might I add. My running technique is substantially better as an adult. Like if I had the same force output I would be
0: so much faster now, but I exhausted my, my time. <laughs> but I understand speed. Okay, well, how, how we could relate this to, like, an average person. Let's just say, uh, just for the average person, maybe the ex-athlete, who has, who knows their way around a gym. If they have just, like, 15 minutes, let's say, before work, what are some exercises that oh. they could do to just, you know, that you think would most bang for your buck? Oh, perfect. Okay. Um, I think some sort of, like,
1: I love, like, MMA, boxing, some sort of element. Just hitting the bag. You don't have to be a pro. Very minimal, you know, there's no, you know, risk really just hitting a bag okay two minutes high intensity now some sort of circuit whether i go squats burpees you know jumping jacks or like you know combined movements like a curl squat press oh, yeah. something like that you know where i'm getting all three of those things or some sort of element like a trx where now i go trx where i can go like squat jump squat or like squat reverse lunge jump squat and then put my feet back on the trx and go push-ups Boom, boom, boom. Okay, three to four movements, uh, superset it, or we can go with some sort of me- method. And this is, I love integrating tech and fitness. This is kind of the next wave here. And that's putting um, like Tabata or something like that, where it's just like, you, you familiar with that? No, It's so like an app where it'll be like 20 seconds, but you count 20 seconds, you do a movement, 10 seconds rest. Eight times, so I think it's like oh, okay. something like that, and it's like a four-minute high intensity, yeah, high training. intensity stop rest. Yeah. Now, through the midst of whatever the mode of exercise is, I can change the movement, or I can change the stimulus. I mean, I can go eccentric for one twenty seconds, I can go concentric for the next twenty seconds. So we're hitting all sorts of things. So some sort of circuit training, and so I can get a push pull element, upper lower element, mm-hmm. uh, high intensity element. You know those movements, and again, we don't have to do crazy movements here, and we don't need heavyweight I can get five pound dumbbells and I can just do everything you know within you know a small little box at the end of the day with exercising right the most important thing is intensity okay you give me 15 minutes you know like that was your question just Go nonstop for 15 minutes, no rest. I get my, my cardio with the boxing. Now I get my upper lower body. And now I'm also testing my aerobic capacity because I have you know, no rest in between. So just any sort of element of just manipulating variables. The
0: movements are relevant. Just have a goal. I like that a lot and stay moving, huh? And that would be different, obviously, from like a 50-minute, maybe more focused weightlifting session where you need some time to rest to provide like a max output in a squat or something. I believe nobody should train for more
1: than 45 minutes outside of maybe an athlete where they're, they have like a skill – Part, yeah. A weight training part, and then maybe like an active recovery or conditioning part. That's the only time, and I have not even put them under high distress for more than ninety minutes. I don't even think athletes like the practice. I when I'm a head coach, my team, my my team won't practice for more than ninety minutes. Really, after, uh, of physical exertion now. No, never. I, people don't want to focus on it. It's just, it's exacerbating the issue. This is just my own personal philosophy. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying this is the answer, but I just think that, yeah, and especially that's a high distress. If I go skills training for 35 minutes in the weight room, I mean, my God, how much you know, does this guy have? Now I could break it up. We could go maybe like an hour of skills training, eat, go throughout my day, another hour at night. People who are working or that powerful, that strong, have that much force output, it's just, I feel like it's too much stress in the body. It's I'm all much about... Too Yeah, for sure, yeah. personally. Because I
0: mean, it's not about working, it's about quality of work at right. that level. Yeah. And if people are not recovering the right way, you know, getting the right massage and the nutrition and the hydration, then you really could be setting yourself up for failure, which happened to me when I was growing up all the time so yeah. many injuries from that did you you had a lot of injuries yourself. all the time man yeah. I had six surgeries oh and it's shit just, I didn't know you had all these injuries. yeah Actually, one was from a broken arm when I was a kid and yeah. then, but I was just always hurt and it was just because my nutrition was garbage and I wasn't recovering the right ways yeah and then trying to put the output of all intense you know two hour practices all the time and thought I was never going to keep up with that yeah, and I know when we were talking the other night, uh, you said this is one thing that brings you a lot of purpose and fulfillment is working you know, individually with these athletes and not only with the sports performance aspect, but just kind of your lessons and uh, what you've learned and kind of empowering them to be them. And uh, how much do you enjoy doing that? I think that's just as fun, if not more fun. And I think that there's a lot of
1: education that these players are missing because you know no one informs them when you're a college athlete uh, in regards to you know how to monetize your brand and as you see in California the passing of that law mm-hmm. um, or what I'm going to do post career how I'm going to segue to the next thing or how do I give back to my community or you know the um, the CBA in the NFL and understand you know what exactly does the players association want because that's about to expire and so I feel like the players are misled or misguided and the people who are guiding them are these agents who just want a percentage of the contract, you know? Right. There's not a guy that, you know, thinks like a coach, knows the coach, knows the optics of the game, is a couple years removed from playing
0: that's just like them and
1: can you know educate them on these business components how to manage your money and really understanding how much power that these players have because without the players who are the product there is no you know NFL if you want to talk about it on a large scale and so as I segue into working with pros down the road because I have the time to do so like the skills training is cool but like dude you got a three to five year window to play this game okay like you want to change your family's life and we want to build communities that's what I want to teach these guys that is my sole priority right now
0: That's really powerful, and I think that people with platforms in the NFL are really starting to make a difference in communities, and you see a lot of people starting to give back to their foundations and stuff, and I think it's so needed and so important, and I just love seeing people of power using their platforms for good, so continuing to do that individually with people I think is a great mission to have, Um, but more on an individual level with you. What things are you practicing right now to be productive and uh, to just be able to manage all this time, all these different things that you're doing? How do you kind of keep that all together? Yeah,
1: man, I would say the first thing I do is I decluttered my life about a year and a half when I finished graduate school means I downsized and so I think me and you talked about it not too long ago kind of bring your life I almost till I have like 50 items and so I don't have 50 items I have a pretty good amount of clothes that's the Rashad but Cohen 50 items or less minimalist yeah. lifestyle I have a very minimalist, minimalist lifestyle I can pack my life in five minutes um, outside of my clothes I have my MacBook and my iPad and so I don't really have a lot of stuff. I don't really believe in furniture, kind of the old Steve Steve Jobs Zen philosophy. Yeah. So I don't really have much material items, and I don't really, you know, outside of the people who I guide and like mentor, coach, et cetera, et cetera, I don't have a girlfriend. Um, you know, very much just like not in that space right now to have a relationship with travel and building my company. And so I don't really have a lot of emotional burdens per se. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say time those things and really just like the practice of like Zen Buddhism and Physical exercise, and that's just you know daily, just working out two, three times, working out two, three times a day. Um, meditation and reading, just kind of keeping my mind clear. And so I'm a firm believer in clear space, clear mind, coming into you know a room of just very, just nothing around here. And so I always say like my life, whether it be you know traveling or you know like moving from place to place, athlete to athlete. Like I'm shooting an athlete after this, and I'm going to the studio with an artist tonight. That's chaos. My life is order. Most critical thing in life is balance. I think I tinker the lines. My professional life is chaos. My personal life is order. You know, so I think I got the best of both
0: worlds. I think that's what kind of keeps me sane. Jordan Peterson, chaos and order. But I, I totally agree with the minimalists and just are getting rid of stuff, not having that clutter. It just takes away the distraction. <laughs> but... Um, what what does your day look like specifically like let's say you want to do some reading or some meditation or your your exercise talk me through you know logistically okay so now you know i've, I've had this pattern before um it got broken
1: obviously because i've traveled graduate school jobs coaching like when you're doing those things you can't like really there's no continuity so that drives me crazy and so i've been all over especially the last three years i've moved 15 times in the last four wow. years man um so now i'm at a point you know as i begin my entrepreneurial ventures um where i can create my own life and i can start from scratch and so this is my framework that i've created where i am get my best results and let me read it to you sounds good um wake up at, so i will go to bed at i'll be in bed by 9:30 30 p.m uh probably sleeping by 10 and so very much in the symbolism, i will explain in a second, but I'm up at 5 a.m. and the first thing I do is I shave. My goatee will be perfect, and that is a reflection of the order and structure in my life. And if it's a little messy, that tells us I didn't do what I needed to do today. And so I like to have the goatee because it keeps me consistent, so, and I shave with a straight razor, which means I have to be precise. Up at five, I have my two cups of water, then I shave with a straight razor. I have my two, uh, I have my candles, and I meditate, and I meditate. Once I build up, I can get to about 30 minutes I have before, once down the road, I'm going to be living next to a, a Buddhist temple where I can actually practice. But where I'll probably be doing structured meditation in a group-like setting, that's my kind of ideal life. But do it by myself while I can. Well, let's dive into that meditation real okay. quick. What is that like? What's that 30 minutes? Is it just well, like straight? I've actually practiced Buddhism. Uh, the Zen, there's a the Minnesota Zen Meditation Center. It's uh, right near Lake Calhoun. And so mm-hmm. when I lived in Minnesota, I would actually go there went there for like two months. Every day, and we started at like 4 30. And we'd go 30 minute meditation, we'd go outside, do a 10 minute walking meditation, followed by another 30 minute meditation. Wow. And I mean, this is intense. And I mean, like, you ain't going nowhere, man. And like, you're stuck in your mind. And you gotta deal with your thoughts and all those negative emotions are like that self reflection that all of this comes about. But the more you do it, the more the mind begins to quiet, and then your ability to focus really kind of hones in. That's kind of, I would say, where, where that goes. And so, again, meditation is a practice, you know, no different than, you know, shooting hoops. Um, I love shooting hoops because you know it's just like the more you do it the better you get (laughs) it's just just calming it doesn't matter what your shot looks like Yeah, if your technique's all jacked up I think that the Shawn Marians of the world show you that (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, but um, yeah the more you do it the better that it gets the easier it gets and the more you kind of find yourself in that flow state and so it's almost like time slows down when the mind slows down so like uh, quiet the thinker as Alan Watts used to say so
0: the goal is to just clear your mind and you know I heard a good tip is like once you once you recognize that you're thinking about something, like some people get freaked out, but that's actually good because then you're realizing that you're thinking and you can like bring it yes. back to clarity. So do you get to a state where you're just like completely clear? I've been in that state a couple of times. And that very
1: much co- uh, coincides with my eating, my sleeping, and my exercise. Okay. And I think and we'll dive into that in a little bit because you can't have one part without the other. Agreed. But, um, when you're in that state of thinking clearly, man, I think life has infinite potential. And so I, it's just it's just practice, man. And I think it, it's a commitment to that. And you also really can't drink alcohol if you want this mind. You want this this mind. I think that that's a very powerful place to be in mentally. Um, but you know, it's just achieved
0: through practice and dedication. You, it's like med meditation in and of itself is a craft. Man. Absolutely, and so. it's it's actually so impressive for the people who can who are so seasoned and you know, like the Buddhist monks. It's really unbelievable. For sure. Um, yeah. So let's get into the next. Uh, past meditation here. Oh, uh, yeah. So after, you know, the meditation, that's where the next thing for me is
1: swimming. A lot of people know this and I don't have the body type of an actual swimmer. <laughs> Obviously, I was a lifeguard and um, it's a brief point in my life where I wanted to be a Navy SEAL. <laughs> uh, I just couldn't because my knee probably would have tried to be honest with you. who well, your dad was, right? Uh, no, my dad's in the military though. The military. Uh, yeah, military man. And so I, um, I used to swim when I first moved to Florida every day and I actually got to the point where I could swim a mile straight and so I'd have... I'd either do a distance day, I would do just a 500 for time day, or I'd do an interval day. And so I'm really excited to kind of dive back into swimming and I want that to be one of my crafts. Now, swimming's very much like meditation because there ain't no music and it is a very, you know, just tedious task. It's really physically, you know, draining. It's just me yeah. versus the water. It's tiring. Dad you're just like you're in your head though man there's nothing to think about it's just the water it is so freaking boring Mm -hmm. so when i'm swimming man i'm really in a special place so generally and i'm swimming every single day i've I've had periods of life but that's the next step so after that meditation right to the gym hit my swim then get back to the house begin my work for the day and so i generally also more or less i would like to say that um Meditation, reading, and exercise are just three things in regards to where I am I have to get done at some point in the day. And I, my day's based around getting those three things done. Now everything else may follow
0: that's contingent upon where I'm at in my life. But when I'm at my best and I can control the variables, those are my habits. Absolutely, that's fantastic. So are you weight training right now too? Or lifting or anything? Or is it just kind of swimming and?
1: I love running. Now, when I was here in uh, Delray Beach, I would run in the morning, about four days a week, four or five days a week, as the sunrise on the beach. Plus, the sand is good on my; it's not bad on my knees. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would run. I love to run. I have I lost a lot of size since I stopped playing football. So the focus has been more body weight training. I hit the elliptical every day for about fifteen twenty minutes. Love the sauna. Um, pull ups, push ups, dips. Just pushing myself. Just physical exertion every day of just pushing the mind you know pushing the limits but that's really i haven't really set goals that stuff is very important for me just pushing limits and so moving forward i'm going to be down with three to four different modes of exercise i'm going to get back into the weight training pretty extensively going to be into the swimming I'm gonna be um, doing my running, and then I'm also I'm shoot- I should play basketball, and like I just started like I-, I read this book called The Talent Code, and it talked about you know the process of just mastering a task. Again, I stopped my basketball development at 15, and so I- I've been shooting like four or five times a week, and just like working with the left, kind of finding my spots on the court, figuring out where I flow, and just kind of mastering you know the technique of a jump shot, following through, and so just the craft of just jump shooting, just to see what I can do and so i'd like to do golf down the road i'm not at a point where i yeah, can yeah come on but i'm coming man i'm coming i will coach wilson will golf i can promise you that now's not the time but those four things and so the, i can't wait to really
0: just get back and just start doing that on a day-to-day but right now just cardio cardio every day i love just mastering a task, like you said with basketball it's just fun to have those different hobbies to push yourself in and it sounds like with your physical stress you're really kind of pushing yourself mentally more through the physical body rather than looking for the results all it's kind of get that mental edge I like that a lot you gotta get in the sauna though you know how important every that day, sauna day, is so day. important oh, yeah yeah, yeah. you gotta be in there 20 minutes people come on love. <laughs> um you said I, I love when you said um nutrition exercise sleep like those three things are all intertwined and you're a big fasting guy too and for me it's like everyone has those three components it's like pretty well known that exercise nutrition and sleep are make healthy but i feel like we're all missing that fourth component of fasting fasting or intermittent fasting isn't just like not eating for 16 hours and eating for eight in a day there's so many different aspects of doing it and for some it's simple as just not eating for 12 hours overnight you're a fasting guy you've been doing some extended periods of fasting, which I think are so awesome. Uh, Let's talk about some of those fasting now. Before I dive into that, I got a
1: question for you because we talked about sleep, nutrition, and exercises through critical components. Would you define fasting as a nutritional component or something independent in and of itself?
0: I think independent of itself, yeah. Because... Fasting doesn't need to be all the time or every day, but it, it does need to be a pretty uh, an aspect of your life in some component for the mental aspects, whether it's spiritual for some, obviously physical, burning fat, and um, just needs to be a tool that we all use uh, for those different components. And at the very least, I really believe that people just, should just take a 12-hour break overnight, let your body digest and reset, follow that circadian rhythm of sleep, and just kind of let your body flow. Let's just stop consuming something for a little bit and just kind of let our body reset and recycle. So I do believe it is a component with those four, and I just think it's such a potent uh, tool that so many of us have lost just because of the society that we're in. That's a fact, man, and I'm grinning right now because... I see people, and my
1: my friends think I'm crazy. Like everyone thinks I'm just nuts, and that's fine. But <laughs> um, I've gone on like three day fast or something. I've been in parties or something, so they're like, oh, you wanna eat? I'm like, no, 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 I'm fasting. Like, you're fasting? I'm like, what's last time? And I'm like, oh, I don't want to. Talk about this because here we go. Right. Yeah, I haven't ate in like three days. So like what? Like how do you do that? So it's so funny to just hear you just talk about you know how you know critical it is to fast and you know just hearing that. so See, like I am sane. To anybody who's watching and knows me. Like, yeah. well, ladies, I am alright. So I'm sorry, man. I just had to say that because you made me really happy in talking about fasting.
0: No, that's a hold on. That's awesome because one of my favorite quotes is a sane man in an insane world is always considered crazy. So we're whatever environment you're in I mean it's all relative right of how you think 100% but um, um I'm sorry man. I just went off the rails there a little bit What's, what was the question exactly uh, so I, can I want to dive ahead. into some of the fasting, done okay. so I know you did done three days I think you said you did five once. my most is uh, I
1: believe five and a half days let me tell you where this fasting stuff came from yeah um Steve Jobs is probably like my biggest influence um just you know his life to you know what allowed him to get in the creative space to even come up with the company as revolutionary as apple and so steve when he was younger would um only eat fruits and vegetables he was a hippie grew up in that counterculture era in uh you know the bay and so you know he would just like he would always kind of look seeking spiritual enlightenment so he would just fast for like three or four days or like weeks at a time have like one meal a day was a vegetarian his whole life and only ate apples and carrots and so I I was a little you know a little younger and I was was like I just want to be like Steve Jobs so he fasted I was like let me fast but I did read that there was like you know a euphoria that could be attained or like almost like a spiritual enlightenment Mm -hmm. and so right around a time where I was kind of trying to lose a lot of weight I was you know just reading studying the Zen stuff and then the knowledge of Steve Jobs I was just like let me apply this let me let me go for it so I
0: did a day got kind of easy but there's still some difficulties you know I think right around like hour 16 or so like kind of starts hurting yeah, it's, yeah,
1: you gotta drink loads of water absolutely um, sleeping's tough for me personally okay that's interesting um, and then so like, I did that a couple times I a couple one day fasts and I, I just read from you know just reading nutritional stuff that you know if you just cleanse the system you know once a month I think everybody should at least one day, twenty four hours, just water once a month Absolutely. resets the system. So after like a long weekend or something like this, like I fast probably two three times a month, one full day. But uh, after like you know like I, I drink or something like that, it's just like okay, I am fasting this entire day. Let me reset back to basics. it little reset your taste buds. Absolutely. If I'm at a point in my life which I'm at a crossroads where I know I'm about to transition or I know that I need to really kind of double down, or I'm just like confused, I'm gonna fast for three or four days and I want to see like who i really am and so there's a spiritual enlightenment that comes and it's almost like keeping your world you know clear and pure mm-hmm. and so after day one in your body resets itself and after day two you know like now like you're kind of flowing off of, you know life forces you know you're very in tune now like day three and moving forward Now, it's just like the compassion, the appreciation, like you're no longer, you know, succumbing to the flesh. You know, it's like the mental and the spiritual have now separated from the physical body. Mm -hmm. The mental has to make the decision. No, the spiritual is almost like the component where it's just like I'm greater than this physical body and the physical body has to almost be like it's dead. Mm -hmm. And so once you start tapping into that around, you know, day three or four, it's just like you begin to kind of
2: see the things that you did wrong. You begin to kind of see, actually other people's behavior stands out to you as well. But I think, you know, love
1: is the law. And I think when something is not acting out of, you know, the intentions of love i think you kind of feel that mm-hmm. and you become far more in tune with that when you're in that state of you know fasting or i guess you call it euphoria at that day three or day four and so it's kind of like a transitional thing for me and on top of all of this it's just pushing boundaries and so if i can get to day five you know they're like again if i can not eat then what do I need in this world? Absolutely. You know, because that's, you know, a primitive desire is food. So <laughs> if I can, you know, defeat that craving, I, I can, you know, I can take my mind to anything. Cause it's almost like suffering
0: to learn how to stop suffering. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for people listening, we're not telling you to go do like a three day fast right now. He is seasoned in fasting and talk to your doctors, to make sure you have a plan. If you do something <laughs> like this, but people are just so afraid to miss a meal. And like, our bodies are able to go weeks. Even the leanest people will last 15 to 30 days with zero food with water. So, like, the fact that it's so scary for people to just miss a couple meals, it's like, no, you can go a couple days and hit that euphoria. Now, the, the longest I've gone is 58 hours. And I noticed for me, the second day was like super tough. Like, yeah. the morning I was hungry. And, but then all of a sudden, I got to that night, I didn't even want food anymore. Like, it came in a wave, and all of a sudden, I was good. What's your experience kind of, with the you know and flows? I think the most important thing with the fast is I
1: need isolation. And I'm clearly trying to fast because like I need some answers. Mm-hmm. You know, I fast and I need answers. In so life. it's mainly for the mental so, aspect. Oh, m- 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 mental, spiritual. Yeah. But uh, it's more so just being able to kind of just push it. You know what I mean? Push myself beyond this limit of like giving in to the fact that I'm hungry. And so I need to be away from everyone everything because of like the temp- temptation. Mm-hmm. you know that's the temptation is a, a scary thing in this world and so if i just eliminate the temptation of not being around food then it makes it a lot easier i'm going to be honest with you or anybody for that matter it's very difficult to go on an extended fast when you're in like a fast flowing environment you know red is a very powerful marketing color but what color is you know all the fast food chains to some degree mcdonald's wendy's Barbecue. you see that red that chick-fil-a mm-hmm. it's almost like you know it's like you see these things like oh coffee sounds good you know Like I, think I want some of that right now so like if I eliminate the distraction of seeing the food that I won't even want to eat you know that's what makes it so difficult but I think if I'm alone then it's very easy to kind of defeat that mental hurdle and it becomes a lot easier
0: because you know I don't have the temptation right in my face absolutely and I think that's just anything your environment is so important to where you're in and if you're in that environment like our modern society I mean how could you even go through the? you know what I mean or you just smell chicken or like oh don't not You know what I mean? You're at work.
1: It's just like, oh, my God. Well, I mean, it's free. I might as well. It's right here. Yeah, absolutely. I've broken a lot of fasts. I've had like, you know, like, I'm going to fast for 24 hours or 48, and I'm at like 36. And like it's a failure to me because I wanted to go like three, four days. And I just like, I'm
0: at a friend's house, and they have pizza, and now I'm just
1: really hungry. And so I just eat the freaking pizza.
0: I think everyone can relate to that, like, trying to start a new diet and fail, and then you feel like, oh, my God, it was all a waste or whatever. So just important to have a goal and uh, just even trying though i mean the more you do it the more effort you give um the more time you experience that you learn more you grow you get better at it and then you can hopefully come up with a better plan in the future but um when we were talking about fasting you mentioned uh dick gregory who i didn't know about i thought that was so cool yeah and uh then you talked about guys like gandhi who fasted for such long times for you know spiritual and kind of important reasons in society, trying to get their message across. Talk about learning about Dick Gregory and what he's meant to you. i look at a lot of
1: you know, iconic figures that were really influential to me, being you know Bill Walton, yeah. uh, Malcolm X, uh, Muhammad Ali, Michael Jackson, okay? Dick Gregory was like their mentor, okay? Dick Gregory, he was, uh, went to college, he was a runner, he was a cross-country runner, dropped out and he was in the military, after his military stint, he came back and he was doing, you know, comedy clubs just doing stand up. And Hugh Hefner found him. Hugh Hefner found really? him an opportunity, and he started doing stand up. He took off as a comedian. And then uh, the Vietnam War came. And after the Vietnam War, he protested. You know, had been in the military, kind of. He was very much a scholar, but prior to being a scholar. Uh, he smoked cigarettes and he drank uh, whiskey every single day. So he was and really s- overweight, right? Really, really overweight. Yep. And so he just decided that he was gonna—he was not gonna eat until the war was over. And so and he went on a run across America, and he just started di- diving into nutrition. And so he he ran like all over the country, and they were just like there's protests like him, Muhammad Ali, and, like all these people running down the street wearing like these things like we won't eat and stuff like that. Like, Bring the troops home. Really powerful. And that's where he started kind of. T- and he went on like a 21 day fast then he went on like a 56 day fast where he would just have like fruit juice after like two weeks just to get the nutrients that he need back, back to the fast back to the fast he went on so many started sitting on a higher level where he changed Muhammad Ali's diet he changed he was a vegetarian life. right? lifelong vegetarian he yeah. studied this stuff extensively um, and he also kind of studied the FDA he studied you know the way food was regulated uh, the, how the meat was processed like what was going how things were going to- in America, why people were dying. I think it was also like the diabetes in the rapid rate in which it was happening in the African American community, and then studying these social trends to kind of figure out what the root of the problem was. Because mostly, just wanted to help his own people, mm-hmm. and then you know his influence in helping his own people led to the attention of some of these figures, and then he was just like that meteor because he, he also ran for president, might I add, and he actually got some votes. And this is like in like nineteen like the sixties. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so. After all this stuff, I mean, because he was like, they wanted him dead at some point. Like, he was just really influential, and it was problematic. And so he actually stopped talking for, like, 25 years. He lived in Cape Cod. He had 10 children and didn't talk. And then right around 2015, he just started doing a bunch of interviews, kind of telling this story again. And so that's how I got caught on him, was just floating through YouTube and then like, I just saw him talking about fat oh he was also influential for John Lennon as well just just to show you you know the, the depth in which all these people he was beginning to kind of influence yeah. and so I don't mean to kind of float around here but I'm watching all these interviews he's talking about you know fasting spirituality you know um, so- and, you know, business is kind of controlled, you know, how athletes aren't speaking up anymore. He's just talked about all these things, and he's a lot older, so he didn't care. He was really aggressive and off the rails, and I really admired it. But that's when I kind of, when I saw, you know, the force that he was in the midst of the fasting and everything that he did, I was just saying, this one guy is an educator, first things first, and he is able to tap into all these iconic people and be the number one influential force in all of their lives. And so it wasn't about him, and he lived long enough to tell the story. That's a blueprint in which I wanna replicate, You know, using education and leadership to help empower you know other leaders who need that guidance. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the influence of Dick Gregory. And at the end of the day, Dick Gregory's initial fast was an act of protest, just like Gandhi's was in taking that non approach. And so that's kind of where that came from, and Gandhi, I read his book, I believe it was an autobiography. He just talked about, you know, as he fasted, you know, the cleansing of his soul and his understanding uh, fundamentally of, you know, how man should correspond with, you know, the material world and how man should treat, you know, other humans. It was, it was just fascinating. So all those components kind of diving into one another, just like... Really, it was just like, okay, fasting is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, well, love is the answer, but fasting helps, too. <laughs> yeah,
0: so obviously, Gandhi was such an influential role. We all, we've we all learned about Gandhi. Why uh, why have we not heard about Dick Gregory? I guess I have most people, and I'm just misinformed? Or I, I would say a lot of the black communities heard of Dick Gregory, but again, Dick Gregory's
1: not the superstar here. Yeah. Michael Jackson's a superstar. Muhammad Ali's a superstar. I'll say, Talk Muhammad Ali for a second, because Muhammad Ali was protesting, and he had a platform in a time in which you've never seen athletes do that. And I wouldn't say it was cool, but Dick Gregory was like kind of like one of the forces behind influencing him to do so. Okay, he was just the man behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. You know, he was right by—I don't know for a fact—but you know, he, he's told stories about being right by Michael Jackson's side. But when he died, and so he was that guy, you know, providing guidance for mm-hmm. all these people. I don't think he was in the, in the public light because I don't think he wanted to be in the public light, and also. Remember now, like this is, we're millennials. We were born in the 90s, you know. A lot of these, if he didn't speak from like 85 or so to like 2014, where would our window to have heard of him come from? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just a historian. I actively, you know, read, I study entertainment and sport. And so that's where I kind of heard of him. But yeah, I don't think anyone would really he didn't, didn't have the platform seek you know knowledge yeah absolutely
0: so, that makes sense he didn't have the platform quite absolutely so, so I, I
1: post stuff with like him all the time like not not really recently but i know people like who the hell is this guy
0: <laughs> yeah and we're gonna have to dive into this off there so i mean we could talk this for, for hours sure. but uh what so what when you're on it like when you're back dialed into your health and nutrition and stuff what's your diet look like and uh, we talked about this you know
1: off the air Now i believe um you're either gonna go with more of like a ketogenic approach in regards to like meat and greens, caveman style, paleo or I think you're gonna go kind of vegan, pescatarian, vegetarian, whatever you wanna define it as, you know, kinda, of, you know, getting rid of that meat component. Mm. Now I don't believe you could kinda of, you, you gotta pick your poison here. You know, what I mean you do need carbs, especially if you're an athlete. I think the athlete component, let's I'm not going to talk Athlete nutrition right now There's a totally Different conversation
0: Absolutely And thank you for putting That into context Because when we have These conversations Athlete context Is totally different Like you need to be A sports car You need to be This quick Athletic moving person That's a little bit Different than maybe Longevity and health Every day Now, now let me actually Preface with this real quick Before I dive back in A balanced diet Is actually the answer now, for me and my lifestyle and my
1: approach, I would like to kind of pick one end of the spectrum. Okay. Um, I love meat, like right now, um, like when I'm traveling right now, I'm not on my habits. Yeah. So it's Like I love eating cheeseburgers. Right. Um, moving forward, man, I am moving away from meat entirely. And it's more so from a clarity, you know, purity within my soul, maximizing energy, because I understand, you know, uh, meat is another living organism, more from an energy standpoint. I don't want to take that energy in, which I don't know how that animal should, I also don't know the source of that animal. That's my issue with meat. You know,
0: I'm not going to vilify meat. I think, you know, meat, you know, gives you, you know... B12 or amino acids. And you made a really good point. Like meat, when you're lifting and stuff, it really makes you feel full and strong, which I can attest to that. I agree. For sure. Um, and that's, that's what I like about meat. However, for me, moving forward, you know,
1: whether it's, you know, eating oatmeal in the morning, getting my oatmeal, uh, very simplistic eating rice, eating my veggies, eating my fruits. I'm, that's more so my diet and my approach uh, moving forward. And I'm going to probably be eating, and this is what I did in the past, uh, one to two meals a day. To be honest with you, and it's very, very simplistic mixed greens, smoothie, you know, getting my carbs. If I, you know, have a very active day, especially when I'm doing my swimming and my running, getting those carbs in the morning, but just kind of leaning off to me more so for spiritual reasons than anything else. And I'm not really physically trying to like build muscle per se, I just like
0: physically working hard because it makes me better yeah and you know. i think both we're on the same page right now where our exercise and nutritional goals are based around energy like having the yes. energy and being productive and kind of that similar diet of more plants uh less meat maybe and kind of just free one or two meals gives you that consistent energy and vibe throughout the day
1: it, absolutely man I, I think you know this is why we're very similar i think we both seek achievement and so at the end of the day in order to do that you know you got to perform and you know i i Define myself. Actually, want to talk about, about what are you? I call myself a performance coach, and you know, I I try to take you know these different elements: sleep, nutrition, spirituality, business. You know. XYZ and how do I put myself in a position to maximize my performance mm-hmm. you know and so again like I eat for a performance but that's performance relative to what my life is I'm not going to tell you how to eat or if I'm going to tell you how to eat it's going to be contingent upon what your habits are what you're trying to do you know I, I think we're seeking for a one size fits all type deal and that just don't exist I wish it existed because I would say that you know the 425 is the optimal defense in football <laughs> right. I'm searching for that answer <laughs> right. believe me yeah.
0: but it ain't it, it boils down to balance absolutely and that's why I just want everyone to have the information like that's one of my main goals with learning nutrition and spreading this platform in the future just give everyone the information about everything non-biased here's this here's this here's this and will we ever know for sure probably not but at least if we can have a baseline then people can make decisions for themselves and inform decisions and because like you said there's definitely not one size fits all and and you know what's
1: great what you said is that you know you you don't want to have a bias and you just want to inform people People. What bothers me, and I guess this is a scholarly approach, and so that's fine, but I think that people like to talk just to talk. And so, you know, social media I think is great, However, I don't think everybody needs a voice. But I say that to just say this like, you, you let's say you say you, you write an article. And now someone's trying to debunk your article. No, no, no. You don't have to debunk my article. Nor am I saying my article is absolute. Let's just have the discussion. Mm-hmm. We just have the discussion, and let's you know, let's find common ground, or I don't want to say consensus because nothing's absolute. Mm-hmm. But at least let's find you know a place in which you know I can apply these practices. I can understand your side. You can understand my side, and we can both proceed. I think everything has become very combative, or this is the way, this is the way, and that's just not the way the world works. It's like, Absolutely, you know, it's like sports talk,
0: and you can you can only have a uh, high. Hypothesis and then support it with data. There's no absolute, like that's what science is. The fact that we can't have these conversations because I feel like people are so attached to things like ketogenic people or whatever it is, like they've built businesses around. They're so attached to one part of nutrition or fitness or whatever it is. And it's like, guys, we're all in it for the same goal. Like let's live healthy. And I know it's harder said than done because we built revenues off things, but we can't be so attached to our ideas just because we've been doing them. For sure, and this friendship. Because I think that the dichotomy that people find themselves in is
1: being, you know, a one-trick pony or a jack of all trades. In retrospect, if you're a jack of all trades, that means you're a master of none, right? So I think that, you know, people tend to go with what they know. And so I think that if you're a ketogenic person, well, that's your niche, that's your market, you know, that's what you've put all your time and study into. So, you know, how dare anyone, you know, question and challenge that? Now, the issue through the midst of all of this is that, you know, we live in a society where, you know, it's all about trends or the next big thing. This is why I pride myself on versatility and being able to take my basic skill set and being able to kind of work in a lot of industries or do a lot of things because the market may change you know some people could hypothesize like you know me being a football guy and i'm this is a little alarming to me football might not be played in 20 years you know gotta understand that you know and so How am I going to adjust because there might be a new science for this ketogenic person that like, you know, nobody will ever eat meat again. You know, just a hypothetical. Well, now what? You know, you just wrote all your books and you did all that and studied all this for two years. Now your industry is obsolete. (laughs) And so I think that's more so where people kind of cling to, you know, subject matter. And if your thing is your thing. That's fine, but I think that we just have to have an open mind and you know be able to discuss these things and just
0: always understand the opposition. I think yep. that's critical, and it's just important to be like you said, well rounded, have range. How many aspects are you in? There's the ten thousand hour rule. Ten thousand hours make you an expert in something. So once you have ten thousand hours, then you're going to be probably at the top of your trade. Like if you're if you're going to be a professional athlete or if you're going to the top of your class in academics at Harvard and stuff. Once you have ten thousand hours of training it doesn't really matter who the most talented is or who is the smartest person in the world. It then becomes who has range. People who uh, win Golden Globes or Nobel Prize, it's because they have a range. They have that level of ability in that subject, but now they're able to communicate well or they're able to be charismatic with others. They kind of have a well range. So it's just really building all your skill sets is I really believe what gets you to that top level, not just being so ultra talented in one thing and To piggyback off
1: what you said, you know, uh, you know, you and your respective domain, you know, health, you know, golf, fitness, and me and football. Okay, I've probably put in twenty five thousand hours in football, maybe more. To be honest with you, okay, I'm only twenty seven years old. I've put in all of that work to just get to the point where now I think I actually, you know, have a voice that I think someone might deem as being worthy to listen to. But that's it. I put all that work. To now go monetize myself and compete in the market, I put in the time just to get there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I ain't there. I'm not even remotely close to being there. But I put all that time in just to get there. I think that we have, you know, a misconception in regards to like what that ten thousand hours entails. Or like ten thousand hours, I'm here. I'm good. It's like no, 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 no. You put the ten thousand hours, so now you've established yourself as a as an expert. Mm-hmm. Now what are you going to do with it? Or it's like. I say to a lot of my friends, because 27 is a critical age, you know, 26 to like 30. And it's just like everything you've been through, which I'm sure you've been through a lot, but no one owes you anything. Mm-hmm. You have just now put yourself in a position where you can get in the room. Now, what are you going to do with the opportunities that may come your way? However, if you don't handle business from 16 to 25, then that opportunity you getting get in the room ain't even going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, but... I, it, It's that commitment to the process to where now you can capitalize.
0: And I think this time, like, you know, 30 ish, 35, it's going to show who's been working. Like it's the David and Goliath mindset. Like, Everyone calls David this huge underdog. It's just because nobody had heard of him. He didn't have the acknowledgements and all the accreditation, but he was working. He was mastering his craft, so when he got his opportunity, he was going to win that fight because he had been working on himself. He, he knew how to throw the stones, and he knocked him right in the head. So even if you don't have the accolades at 30 or whatever, all this acknowledgement, if you've been working and working on yourself and learning, once you get that opportunity, you might be just in line and knock it off the park. So.
1: And, and you want to know what the best thing is when no one knows you? I love the concept of the underdog it's such an easy place to be in you Absolutely. know like, there's nowhere to go but up and so and, and again like the opposition of that is i'll tell you now like the biggest threat to your future success is your current success. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm doing well in my life, man, I like kind of like tense on my eh, something bad's coming, you know, like I'd rather be on the climb, I'd rather be on the come-up. You know, when you're at the top, everyone wants your spot. You know, I like having my back against the so wall. That 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 um that David approach. It's funny because David's such a common man name. Yeah. <laughs> that that, that sorry, it's the David approach, we can yeah. coin that term. Um I think that it's just a much better position to be and especially when you're competing in an industry or you're competing you know against that you know that giant
0: Mm -hmm. against goliath goliath (laughs) (laughs) um i think both of us are so into you know we're chasing the best version of ourselves and we we were trying to take down goliath like we we're all in uh what would you say to someone who maybe hasn't taken the leap to you know really go after what their heart really wants great question. Um, in life, I feel like the
1: worst thing that you can have is regrets. And I, I see this a lot. I see this with people. Once you get to around mid-30s, and I, I was reading, I forget what the book was. I was reading this not too long ago. But like, you can almost see it in some people's spirits that it's just like at 30, they're almost like defeated. Or so, or like that spark, that drive that was once there. Mm-hmm. And what that is is, it's that regret of you know they didn't chase what they did, and now they feel their windows closed. And the truth is that windows never closed. However, that window also was never open. Okay, oh. you're never gonna have enough money. You're never is never gonna be the right time. You're just gonna have to do it and you're gonna have to try. And I would rather fail, well I've already failed, you know what I mean, I ain't, going, yeah. I ain't gonna get any worse in here. You'd rather fail than having never tried at all, like uh, J. Cole, great rapper, a college educated might add, but he said, the only thing worse than death is a regret-filled coffin. So, to try before you die or, or always wonder what if. And so, man, like the thought of just having not pursued that, and you, you can see it in people, and I think that you, you just have to try. And, you know, like, who cares what it is? Who cares what the optics are? But if you don't, it's going to haunt you the rest of your life. And and I think that that's the one thing. Like, what do you have to lose? Now, of course, you know, if you have kids or, you know, you have a lease or some of these debt. things, these are variables that put debt. These are variables that screw debt. You know, I, I, no. Like, gamble on yourself. That, that's what I'd say. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I'm not going to get into this big entrepreneurial spiel here because people like to operate in their comfort zones. And I don't want to get yourself turned to a villain very quickly <laughs> but um you you just have to go for it you know and I, I think that, that that regret man that, that and that's like my whole football thing because I could have moved on to the next chapter I probably could have done something cool but if I didn't play football again mm-hmm. or at least try before blowing my knee out I, I would have been dying inside and there's a lot of former athletes that have like they got that injury and they never came back or something and like they, they they're like kind of pondering like oh do I do this but then it's like you get a job and then you know you got to go for now you can't practice as much so through the midst of all of this right before you know you you say like actually no this this all applies just make the decision that's all you got to do just make the decision and I mean it's funny the irony in this is like I just got the tattoo don't look back you know I, I decided this is who I'm
0: going to be and I'm going to pursue it. <laughs> I mean, I could review it. You just got to go for it. I mean, and look at your story. Yeah, and, and look at your story. I mean, you made the jump to go back to try to play NFL football. Like, after two ACL surgeries, you made this decision to come to Minnesota and go and pursue this, and then three days in, you tore your ACL, but it gave you a master's in business, and it, it helped you figure out who you wanted to be. So just because you might take a leap tomorrow to go into some field, that doesn't mean you're always going to be in that field. It can lead to other things. Once you bring that energy, it can spiral into different aspects and that's the
1: beauty of the process is it's not about the goal if you achieve the goal then what? now this is the scary thing, if I had played in the NFL who would I be after that? yeah, that's true now I'm older and I'm trying to find myself at an older age and I probably have had a child by now my life would be totally different now, well, what's that next chapter? And it's almost like on the pursuit of the process, the adversity that you face is what takes you down the path of who you really are. And I think it's just the, the pursuit of who you want to be is what you learn on the way of the journey is really where the glory is found.
0: Oh, that's a, that's a really good one. <laughs> Thanks, man. So I just have a few questions left for you. Uh, do you have like a personal mission statement or like a why statement? Yeah, um... It's very simple, okay. Um, I'm just using
1: education and sport as my platform to change the world. And I think in our society, and I think we need more leaders. And I and I say leaders from the sense of like nonconformists, from like okay, like I'm a I'm a young man that is educated. Okay, like look at me, I have an MBA. Give me a job. No, that that's not what I mean by leaders. It's understanding, you know, what I'm up against. uh, Understanding the way the system works. And, you know, finding a way to navigate my own path and empower others to kind of do so. And so segueing into being around more creatives at this point in my life, one thing that I noticed is that the most creative people in the world, okay, and the most talented people, especially the best athletes. They don't want to listen to nobody. Mm-hmm. They don't like... They're rebels. They do what the hell they want because they know that they're good enough to do what they want. I define those types of people as the misfits mm-hmm. of the world. I got that tattoo with that, that band, symbolic of that. I want to being. A, I define myself as a misfit myself. Um, do that path that I just said I'm following is provide that leadership and that guidance for the misfit. Be you. I'm not gonna water down who you are or make you change. I'm just gonna provide the parameters and the boundaries and know that I'm just like you and I'm gonna provide you the right approach to being you in a manner in which you can optimize yourself. And so that's my goal, is to empower misfits to not water down their message and do them, but to get all of theirs while they have the window to do so. And they're getting guidance and
0: leadership by someone who has their best interest in mind who is just like them. Yeah, and I love that mindset that you have it's like a rebel kind of be yourself but it's also to just become the best you can and to help others and inspire others sometimes that term rebel or misfit is a negative conversation because For there sure. has been a lot of negativity with that but you're For doing sure. more to help others inspire and I also like the fact of not conforming to a societal expectation I know earlier we talked about the impressionists back in France how like Monet and Monette there was they had the salon like the biggest France competition it was like the biggest thing ever as a painter and they just got sick of it because it wasn't their style their style of painting wasn't uh, accepted in their society and if they hadn't gone off and said screw this we're going to start our own thing with nobody watching them at first we wouldn't know the impressionists and completely change the landscape of painting so I think that's so similar to your journey and I see that in you and I can kind of paving your own way with that that's awesome man. I love that you said that I'm really about to
1: dive into the um, the Impressionist man and you know at the end of the day yeah you said that like it's funny because like definitely define myself as a rebel so to speak but it's funny because my intention are very pure in, in that pursuit and i think that most rebels like, you know i'm a rebel with the cause yeah you know, i think that rebels generally start because you know they see something that they want to change mm-hmm. you know and if you want to change something like let's pursue it and so i'm a guy that yeah i'm a rebel but i'm not unhinged you know what i mean i'm educated and everything i say. I, I back with research and support and i'm still open to opinions you mm-hmm. know what i mean i'm just not going to do what you know baby boomers you know want me to do so that i can get opportunities you know i'm just gonna you know trust in myself you know continue to educate myself and empower others and i think if i put education first and handle myself the right way regardless of what you want to define me as like i'm you have to accept it you have to accept it because i I, at the end of the day like where i'm very hip i'm a millennial you know i think i invite a lot of millennial traits i'm also very much a traditionalist Mm
0: -hmm. in a lot of respects and so I, i think that that's important and i think that your habits and the way that you go about your work and your life and how you set up your day and time manage shows that you definitely have that traditional sense to you but then you bring the hip passion and i appreciate that um Second to last question here. Um, What's something in your life that you're very grateful for that's outside of maybe relationships, family or friends, something that you're just very thankful for? Um, Go ahead and take a second. Yeah, that's
1: a phenomenal question, man. I, I guess I'd say my perspective on the world. And I say that from the sense of I'm a first generation American and I'm an only child. And I moved around a lot when I was a kid. And my, 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 dad was around, I have a relationship with my dad, my mom raised me by herself. And so, and I'm also, um, mixed with a lot of things from like a racial standpoint, um, ethnicity. And so that gave me perspective in regards to just like being my own man, um, putting people first and, um, being my own man, putting people first and, um, wanting to help people and you know desiring you know family and culture and so if i didn't have that unique set of circumstances because i think that's fairly rare and i moved around a lot when i was a kid i don't think that i would be able to kind of go down this path and you know aspire to be a leader
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so i think that's why i am at the core and i think that's very much by you know something that i'm you know had no
0: control over and so that is what i believe i'm ultimately grateful for that's awesome. That's a very unique and lucky blessing to have. Thanks. Um Final question, Bud. Again, I, I just want to say I really appreciate you having you here. It's uh, pretty, really appreciate having you here. It's it's been awesome to see your passion, your drive, and I just love the journey that you're going on, the commitment. So very grateful for you and appreciate you. Thanks again for coming on. Thanks,
1: man. Greatly appreciate, it, man. It's awesome to come out here and you know have the platform to just talk and share, man. And you know really proud of just kind of seeing where you're at, man. Um, you know having where I met you, you know I believe you're still in school at the time and you know transitioning. I remember you told me about the golf thing. And then to kind of see you in Arizona, then see you out here and I see you with the podcast, seeing, hear what your goals are down the road and kind of, you know, watching it all take off, you know, we're kind of traveling, you know, the same path, you know, different, you know, lanes, but, you know, same destination and the same, you know, approach to, you know, just kind of maximizing
0: this gift called life, man. Absolutely. Yeah it's been a pleasure being on here thanks so much man appreciate it all right last question here we got finally let's say you know hopefully 10 15 years down the road whatever it is you got uh, a couple kids two boys a girl whatever it is whatever it is you want um they're they're growing up you got your kids you're down the road you've completed a lot of things you want in life and uh kids are growing up they're about 12 13 years old they're kind of getting to that time where they're starting to understand the world they're starting to realize going into the world what are a few things or what are three things that you would tell them to guide them three things that you believe would lead to a happy healthy and fulfilled life um be yourself put people first and value your health because if you don't have that, you have nothing. So be yourself, put people first, and value your health. Yes. All right, buddy. Hey, thanks for coming <laughs> out, Appreciate it, Jeff. Of course. That, that was, was awesome.
1: Might take a Uber to France, yeah. I spent a rock on my pants, yeah. I do the for my fans. They are my fan in advance, yeah. I'm already taking a chance, yeah. I'm moving more like I'm Chance, yeah. I cannot with the man. I'd rather go on and trap my bands, yeah. But baby go hate me for trapping, no. I had to do what I had to do. She never seen it like that before, yeah